The following message, entitled, Your God Will Be My God, part one of the series, Ruth, Real, Happy Endings, was given by Mark Altrogi on August 4, 2013 at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here, too. If I haven't met you yet, I hope I get to. Thanks for coming this morning. It's great to have you guys here. We are honored to have you here. Joe is preaching in Pittsburgh this morning, so let's pray for Joe. He's preaching in Mike Pearson's church. Mike, as you know, is a pastor who's a good friend of ours, and he is a regular speaker at our youth camp, so he's, he's on vacation and Joe's down there. So, Lord, we pray for Joe this morning. We pray that you would bless him and use him and bless the church in Pittsburgh that he's speaking in, Providence Church of Pittsburgh. And, Lord, we just pray you would just really use him powerfully. And we pray that you'd open up your word to us too, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us that you would encourage us, that you would build us up, and that you would stir us to love you and obey you more, Lord. In Jesus' name, Father, we ask. Amen. Amen. This morning we're beginning a new series, as Stephen mentioned, called Ruth, Real, Happy Endings. Real, Happy Endings. And this morning we'll be looking at Ruth chapter 1. If you don't know where Ruth is, it's, it's like right here. It's after Judges. I always remembered it, Joshua Judges Ruth. So if you can find it, so it's after the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those were all written by Moses. And then Joshua Judges Ruth. Real happy endings. Chapter 1 we're calling, Your God Will Be My God. And as, as we mentioned, we'll be looking at this in care groups. So as you're taking notes or as anything strikes you, you might write it down as an application. We'll, we'll hopefully be talking in care groups about how this applies to our lives. So be, you can be thinking of how, how does this apply to my life. And, and Ruth, we're calling it Real Happy Endings because Ruth begins with a bad decision that leads to devastating consequences. Yet there is a Redeemer who is committed to us and His grace can redeem us from our sins and bring about real happy endings if we turn to Him. And... He, this, this book is so filled with the, the, the grace and the kindness of God. And it just shows how God fulfills His plans even despite our bad decisions at times. And so, Ruth has some similarities to the parable of the prodigal son. If you remember that, that parable, uh, a son makes a bad decision and he takes his inheritance early and leaves and goes to another country and winds up being in really bad situations. And then he, he comes to his senses and decides to come home. 
end. In the book of Ruth, a woman and her family make a terrible decision and disobey God and move to a foreign land and things go really bad for them. And they experience devastating consequences for sin. But the woman then decides to return home broken and ruined, hoping only to survive. But God pours out undeserved blessings on her, even as the father and the prodigal son poured out blessings on his wayward son when he came back home. Eventually, this woman Ruth, who begins as a foreigner, not even part of God's people, eventually this woman becomes one of the ancestors of King David and Jesus Himself. So there's a lot in this story that's just really cool. And it's really, it's really, it's not, it's a story, it's a love story, and it's a story of Ruth, but it's, it's mainly the story of this great Redeemer, this great God who we serve. So let's jump in in verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Remember this book comes right after the book of Judges? Well, this happens in the days when the judges ruled. Now, the days of the judges was a dark period in Israel's history. After God delivered Israel from Egypt, He took them through the desert, brought them into the promised land, and Joshua brought them into the promised land. And Joshua died at age 110 and his generation passed away. And Judges chapter 2 says this, And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. It's amazing. One generation after they, they come into the promised land, they, they forget God. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, which were idols. And they abandoned the Lord the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. And and Judges is about this horrible, repetitive cycle that we see again and again. Israel abandons the living God and goes after idols. So God gives them over to their enemies and they afflict and oppress Israel, and Israel groans under this affliction, and God hears their groans, has pity on them, and sends them judges to deliver them from their enemies. And they enjoy God's blessings for a while under these judges. And then when the judge dies, they repeat the whole cycle again. So we see in uh, Judges 2, verse 18 and following, it says, Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge. And He saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. What a God we serve. He's moved to pity even though they reject Him again and again. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. Now that's, that's the days in which Ruth takes place. Is, this is a time when Israel is just, is, is in this cycle of rejecting God, following idols, turned over to their enemies, 
God has mercy on them, pity for them, sends judges. They experience a time of blessing. As soon as they, they're blessed, they turn away from God again. Repeat the whole cycle. That's when this book takes place. And so it says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So they are in this cycle of judgment. There is a famine now brought on that they have brought on themselves by worshiping idols. Things are desperate. There's not enough to eat. This is not just a recession or a depression even. It is a famine. They're under God's judgment. God, is, God is, sends His judgments to try to get them to turn back to Him. He doesn't take any pleasure in doing this. And so, it says a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the, in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. Elimelech. And the name of his wife, Naomi. I always want to start singing. Elimelech, Elimelech, Elimelech. I'm sorry, I... I get distracted. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. So it says, a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn. First it says, sojourn in the country of Moab. The Moabites were the enemies of Israel. And they were rotten from the beginning. They were descended from Moab, who was conceived when Lot's daughter, this is a while back, Lot's daughter, purposely got her father drunk, then had incestuous relations with him. That was how Moab was born. So he was a, had a bad start. And later, after Israel left Egypt on the way to the Promised Land, Balak, the king of Moab, hired the prophet Balaam to curse Israel. And later, in Numbers 25, it tells us that while Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So Moab was bad news. It was a, it was a wicked country. It had a, it had, its, its ancestor was born of, of, of this sin, and they, tempted, they, they always tempted the people of Israel to worship idols. And... Moab and the Israelites they were mortal enemies. God had brought Israel into the promised land. And they weren't supposed to go back to other countries because of the temptation to worship other gods. Elimelech never should have gone to Moab. He should have cried out to the Lord. What God was trying to get Israel to do was rather than run to another country, run to an idol-worshiping country, God was trying to get His people to turn to Him and say, Lord, we're sorry for our sins. Please give us food. Elimelech didn't do that. It's interesting, the word, the name Bethlehem, where Elimelech was from, Bethlehem means house of bread. But there's no bread in Bethlehem. 
So what does Elimelech do? Instead of trusting God for his daily bread, he does what's right in his own eyes and leaves the promised land and goes to Moab, the house of idols. It's a terrible decision. And Judges 21, verse 25, it tells us about these days of the judges. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes, and that's exactly what Elimelech does. He doesn't say, what does the Word of God say I should do when things get tough? He doesn't say, what did God tell us to do if we're afflicted for our sins? No, he does what's right in his own eyes. And he goes to this country that is an evil country that has a history of tempting them. Now, we can do the same thing. It's easy for us to look look on Elimelech and think, wow, that's a terrible thing he did. Well, we can do the same thing, especially when things get tough. Rather than keeping our eyes on Jesus, we can focus on our circumstances. It doesn't look like God's doing anything. Where's God? God? God seems to have abandoned me. God isn't coming through for me. And we can take things into our own hands. We can do what was right in, what's right in our own eyes. Years ago, I knew a woman who was very frustrated in her marriage and her husband was not giving her all the attention and the romance that she thought she needed. So rather than seek Jesus to help her to be content in her marriage, she meets another guy who would give her the romance she thought she needed. She commits adultery, leaves her husband. See, she does what's right in her own eyes rather than what the Bible says. And we can be tempted to do that in all kinds of ways. We can think, you know what? My finances are tight. I know God wants me to give to the poor. I know God wants me to give to the kingdom. I know He wants me to give to the church, but I'm not giving anything. And we, we, we do what's right in our own eyes. Where, and now I'm not, I'm not saying this to extort you to give or anything like that. I'm just thinking of ways we can be tempted we can say, you know what? I'm a, I'm a single man. I'm a single woman. I don't see any prospects for marriage on the horizon. I know that as a Christian, I'm not supposed to marry a non-Christian, but boy, I've met this beautiful non-Christian girl and this handsome non-Christian guy, and I, I, I just know that I can get him to believe in Jesus if I just you know, spend some time with him. I, I've, I've, had, I've, I've seen that happen over the years. And the, the woman, woman will say, well, I know he's not interested in God, but I, I believe that I can, I can, I believe he'll change once we get married. And I think, oh no, don't. Well, we're tempted ourselves to take things into our own eyes. And so the husband, Elimelech, actually his name means God is king. Yet, God is clearly not his king because he's unfaithful to God when things get tough. And verse 1 says, Elimelech and his family went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Maybe he said, you know what? We're just going to go there temporarily. We're just going to sojourn there. We're just going to go for a little while during this famine and then we'll come back. But notice at the end of verse 2, it says, they went into the country of Moab and remained there. See, it's, 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 sin is so tempting. We can say, you know what, I'm just going to do this one time and then I'm done with it. Or I'm, I'm just going to spend a little time with this and then I'll, I'll be done with it. But 
you know, we, we, we start off sojourning and pretty soon we're living there. They do what's right in their own eyes. They hear Moab's got food, so they, they say, we're just going to go for a little sojourn. And then they wind up remaining there instead of seeking God. And so we see that disobedience has consequences. Like I said, the story starts off bad. But remember, there's a real happy ending. But it starts off bad. And it's important for us to see this. Disobedience has consequences. And so verse 3 says, But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. And so at first, everything was probably going great. They had plenty of food to eat. They probably thought, we made the right decision. But there are always consequences when we disobey God. Things may go right for a while. They may be good for a while. They may be good for years. But there's always consequences. We, God says, God is not mocked. And there will always be consequences if we sin willfully. It's amazing that God spares us of so many consequences we should have. So, the first thing that happens is Elimelech dies. Naomi's left with her two sons. Well, at that point, Naomi should have said, we blew it. We made a big mistake. We're going back. We're going to repent. Let's repent and return to Israel. But Naomi probably thought, you know what? I got my sons to care for me and provide for me. You know what? I'm okay. And when we don't repent, sin always progresses. So the next thing that happens is her two sons take Moabite wives, which God had forbidden in Deuteronomy 7. God told His people when they entered the promised land, here's what it says in Deuteronomy 7, 3 and 4, you shall not intermarry with them giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following Me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and He would destroy you quickly. And so Naomi, rather than repenting and going back to Israel, now she gives her sons to Foreign wives. They take foreign wives to themselves in direct disobedience. And verse 4 says, These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the other, the name of the other, Ruth. So Naomi has lost her husband, but now it looks like everything's going well again. Her sons are married. She'll have grandchildren and, and they can all provide for her in her old age. See, this was important for a widow to have descendants to take care of her. And so everything's going good, even though she's lost her husband. And it says they lived there about ten years. Ten years! Things are going great. Except, it says then in verse 5, it says, and both Malon and Chilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. They lived there ten years and Naomi's sons have no children which was a sign then of God's judgment. They should, they should have noticed that. She's, she's trying to provide for herself. She's, she's thinking everything's going to be okay. My sons are taking these foreign wives now. But God says, no, I'm not going to give you descendants. You're disobeying me. So they have no children, and then her sons 
die. Now she's a poor widow, a stranger in a strange land with no one to provide for her or protect her. And what I see is that, boy, our sins can have long-lasting consequences. This makes me want to fear the Lord. I want to fear the Lord because God is not mocked. God says we, we reap what we sow. Now there, there is grace. When we come to Jesus, He forgives our sins. He doesn't give us the consequences we deserve. We should be all in hell. But He forgives our sins. What a gracious Redeemer we have. But yet, that should not ever lead us to think that, wow, God forgives my sins. I go to heaven by what Jesus did, not by my works, so I can do what I want. No, we, we never want to think that. Don't ever think that just because we serve a God of grace that there might not be consequences for our sins. Yet when we do sin, and especially when we're ready to repent, there is a Redeemer. And this is a story about a God who doesn't give us what our sins deserve. There is a God who rightfully could have sent us to hell for our sins, but instead sent His Son Jesus to crown us with blessings and save us. And He will redeem Naomi and bring her back home and crown her with blessings. He's given her another chance. There is a Redeemer and grace will have the last word and we will see this. God's grace will triumph in the end and Naomi will once again experience blessing. So in verse 6 it says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited His people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi's out in the fields of Moab and somehow she hears, hey, there's food now in Israel. Now there must be a judge in Israel that God had sent. Now Israel is under a time of blessing now and there's food. They're doing well. And she hears this. She's out in the fields. And I, I just have to think of the story of the prodigal son. Here's this poor, broken down widow forced to be out in the fields. Just like the prodigal son who wound up slopping pigs, all his money gone, and he gets the idea to go back to his father. She hears God has visited Israel and given them food. Now the prodigal son, at his lowest point, it said, Jesus said in the parable, he came to his senses and he said, I'm going to return to my father and say, I have sinned against heaven and against you. There's no indication that Naomi's thinking like that. There's no indication that she's thinking of her sin or that she's sorry for disobeying God. She's just going back because there's food there now. But what she doesn't know is that there is a Redeemer who is bringing her home. There is a God who is at work in her life. God is, is going to be bringing her back home, even though she is not yet repentant. It doesn't appear. God had not forsaken her, even though she had forsaken Him. And you know what that says to me? Even at times when we forsake God, He doesn't forsake us. You know, there, there, there have been many times in my life 
even as a believer, where I, I, I just haven't obeyed God the way I should have, I know God has never forsaken me. Even when we forsake God, He doesn't forsake us. He doesn't give up on us. And, and I don't know about you, 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 maybe you've never come to God. Maybe you've never come to Jesus initially. Maybe, maybe you've lived your whole life apart from you. And I believe you're here this morning because there is a God who has not forsaken you and He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to be saved from your sins. He doesn't want to send you to hell. He's given you this opportunity this morning to come to Him. And maybe, you've, maybe you have given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've called upon Him, and yet you've, maybe you've really blown it. Maybe you've, you've sinned in some big way, and you think, how can God ever forgive me of this sin? Well, God is always willing to, to re- forgive our sins and to take us back into His good graces, no matter what you have done. So Naomi's, Naomi's decided, I'm going to go back, there's food. In verse 8, Naomi says to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Now what is happening here is Naomi says to her two Moabite daughters-in-law, go back to your homes. I can't provide for you. I'm a widow. I have no husband. I have no sons to care for me. And you're Moabite women. You'll, you'll be despised in Israel. You come back with me, the history that you have, you'll be despised where I'm going. Go back to your families and your gods. And they weep and they say, we'll return with you. And Naomi says, you come back with me, you're not going to be able to get married. I can't provide a way for you to get married. I can't provide sons. Even if I had a husband now and got pregnant and had sons, you're not going to wait till they grow up and be married. Nope, there's no hope with me. You know, Naomi doesn't say... What, what, it's interesting what she doesn't say. Naomi doesn't say, hey, come back to Israel and, and I know He'll provide for us. I know if you serve the living God, somehow He'll provide for you. Naomi has no faith at this point. She has a very low view of God. She says, No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Naomi's bitter against God. 
And what's so interesting is she's the one who abandoned God. She's the one who sinned. She's the one who made this bad decision along with her husband to go to this other land. She's the one who gave her daughters to these, or her sons to these foreign daughters. Now she's bitter and blames God. And we can do the same thing. We can believe wrong things about God when we go through tough times. And that's one of the big temptations. When we go through tough times, we can think, you know what? Maybe God has abandoned me. Maybe God is punishing me. She says, the hand of the Lord is against me. We can think God is against me. God's punishing me. God isn't loving. Maybe God isn't in control. So we have to be careful how we interpret our tough times. And we always have to go back to the Word of God. And say, no, if, if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, God's Word says, there is no punishment because He punished Jesus for my sins. So even though I'm going through a tough time, God is not punishing me. God has not abandoned me. God is not mad at me. I have a friend who was at a meeting in someone's home and he came out and the front headlight of his car was smashed in and somebody said, wow, what do you think God's trying to say to you? And he said, I think God's saying I need a new headlight. <laughs> See, we can, we can have bad things happen. That's not that bad. But we can have things happen and, and interpret them as God is mad at me. God is punishing me. So he had my headlights smashed. And that's what Naomi's doing. So Orpah kisses Naomi goodbye and chooses to go back to her home and her gods. It's interesting. Naomi's faith is so poor, she says, go back home. Serve those gods. And that's what Orpah does. Now, I wish, I wish we could see what happened to Orpah? Orpah may have gone home, met a guy, got married, had children, had a wonderful long life, but never known the true and living God. You know, people in this world, at times, I mean, they, they never choose to serve Jesus. And their whole life, they can, you know, they enjoy the things of the world. It looks like everything goes well for them. They have families, they have houses, they have everything they need. What does it matter if you don't know the living God? What does it matter if you have everything this world has to offer and never know the living God? And that's the choice Orpah made. We all have this choice. We all have a choice. Is it going to be Jesus or the world? We're going to serve Jesus or just try to get all we can get out of life? And if you get all you can get out of life, well, I hope you enjoy it because that's all you're going to have. Ruth made a hard decision. Verse 15 
Naomi says, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. You go back after those gods too. I'm thinking, Naomi, where's your faith? But Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. This is incredible. Somehow Ruth had come to believe in the living God, and she chose to follow the living God. This is amazing even though it was going to probably mean she would have a hard life as a Moabite widow in Israel. God saved her and gave her faith, even though Naomi's faith was almost negligible. God had, see, God had chosen Ruth to be an ancestor of Jesus. God had purposes For this woman who was a foreigner, who lived in a foreign land, God had chosen her from before all time. She is, I've set my choice upon her. And God had chosen Ruth long before she knew Him. And this is what's so incredible. This is, this is absolutely amazing about this story. Is that the sovereign King of the universe, the God who does not approve of sin, the God who does not want us to sin, Yet, even though Elimelech and Naomi sin and disobey God and move to this foreign land, God in His sovereign plan even used their sin to bring Ruth to know the living God and bring her back to Israel and make her the ancestor of Jesus. It's amazing. God used the famine which drove Elimelech and Naomi to move. He used their bad decisions. He used their sinful decision to have their daughter marry a Moabite. All of this to fulfill His purposes for Ruth and for His people. Now, Ruth was a sinner too. She would have worshipped the idols of Moab. There There was nothing great about her. God just chose her for His own reasons. I don't know why. She would have been an idol worshiper. But there is a Redeemer. And He sent this family into this land, somehow even using their sins, to save Ruth. There is a Redeemer and His grace is greater than all their sins. And even despite their sins, worked all things together for good. This This should encourage all of us. Because maybe you feel like you have blown it in the past by your sins. We all have. I have regrets in, in my life. I think I, at times I can think about things I've done and have regrets. But you know what? I'm so grateful. Romans, Romans 8, 28-30 tells us that God causes all things to work together for our good. And for His glory. Even our sins. Now, that doesn't mean we should go out and sin thinking God's going to use this for for good. Because like I said, there are consequences for sin. 
And Naomi suffered these consequences. But God is greater than our sins. And if you have blown it, you should have encouragement and hope today that God is greater than those sins. And even God can even use those sins for His purposes or, or bad decisions you have made or, or, or decisions that you've made that you just didn't realize what, what the outcome was. We have no idea how God is going to take the decisions we make and use them for His purposes. Back in 1964, when I was in 8th grade, same year that the Beatles made their debut on Ed Sullivan, my dad in Tulsa, Oklahoma, had the opportunity to move to Indiana, Pennsylvania, a town that I'd never heard of. It was so big, couldn't even, it was so, it's such a little town, it couldn't even have its own name. Had to steal it from a state. That's the way I thought about it in eighth grade. And my dad made this decision. This, he made a decision to take this job opportunity and move to Indiana, Pennsylvania. Little did any of us know what that would mean for our lives. That this would be the town where God would save me. I had no idea. I just thought, I hate this. have to leave all my friends. have to leave everything I know and come to this place that can't even find its own name. We have no idea how God is sovereignly directing our lives. And there may have been times, Dad, I don't know if you ever thought maybe I made the wrong decision or not, but there, God used your decision to save me and to, to do all kinds of things in our lives. There is a Redeemer who works all things together for good. And God, in His incredible grace, He gives Ruth faith. And she says, Your God will be my God. May the Lord do so to me. He gives her faith. And she commits herself to Naomi. And she had counted the cost. Now, now Ruth's commitment to Naomi is a picture of Jesus' commitment to us. Her commitment to Naomi meant she would have to go to a strange land and possibly be rejected for who she was. Possibly have a very hard life. Jesus was so committed to us, He left His glory in heaven became a man, was mocked, rejected, nailed to a cross, and bore the wrath of God. His commitment. He did all of that to save us. Do you think that after doing all of that to save you, if you've come to faith in Jesus, do you think He will abandon you? No. He will never. He is committed to you. And God is, God is so kind to Naomi. Here, here we see this, this woman who brought all this on herself, then blames God, he, and she is just bitter at God, and He gives her this loving, loyal, faithful friend who will care for her and provide for her at great personal cost. And verse 18, it says, when Naomi saw she was determined to go with her, she said no more. She's not even grateful. It's kind of like, okay, fine, suit yourself. It's like, wow, this, this Naomi's not even seeing the blessings of God. And I just thought, boy, I, 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 I don't want to be like that. 
I want to see, I want to look for, I want to appreciate God's grace in my life and that He has given me so many faithful, loyal friends, so many believers who are, are, are committed to Jesus and to me. And I just think that's, I want to be like that. I want to be like Ruth. I want to be committed to God's people. She says, your people shall be my people and your God, my God. She says, Naomi, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm, I'm not bailing out. I'm going to follow your God and I'm going to be loyal to you. And that's what God is saying to us. He's saying, I'm going to be faithful to you. I am a committed God. I am never going to forsake you. And I want you to be faithful to me. I want you to be loyal to my people. So I say, Lord Jesus... Just make us like that. Your God is my God. Your people are my people. That means that that we are taking in a lot of messy people. That means, I mean, look at Naomi. Ruth's, Ruth's not saying, I'm committed to this perfect woman. She said, I'm committing myself to this bitter, God blaming woman. Who doesn't even care about me? Who told me to go back to my gods? That's how much she cares about me. And so we, we too, we, when we commit to God's people, we're committing ourselves to a lot of messy, imperfect people. And that's what it's all about. And so the two of them go on until they come to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She hadn't been there for over ten years. She said to them, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. She, means, she says, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? The whole town's buzzing and, and here comes this this woman now, she's broken down, she's older looking, and she's bitter. What's interesting is nobody says, and who's your friend? Who's this with you? No, because they, they, they can see she's a Moabite. They're not even talking to her. They give her the cold shoulder, most likely. And Naomi, Naomi doesn't manifest any faith. She says, don't call me pleasant, call me Mara, which means bitter. It was, it was taken from the, the reference in Exodus 15 when Israel comes to Marah and they find that the waters there are bitter. And they can't drink it and they grumble against God. Well, in that story, God shows Moses a log and He throws it into those bitter waters and they become sweet. She doesn't think about that though. She says, I'm just bitter. Don't call me pleasant, I'm full of bitter waters, because God's against me. The Almighty's brought calamity upon me. I went away full. She's rewriting history. She went away in a famine. She didn't go away full, but she's she's so bitter against God, she's, she's rewriting history. You know, my life was great. And then God is just being cruel to me. 
And she interprets these events. And we, we just have to be careful how we interpret. And she has no faith. She's blaming God. Yet there is a Redeemer who is going to bring about a real happy ending eventually. And so, verse 22, it says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And I like the way that chapter ends. They come back at the beginning of a harvest. God isn't done with them yet. He's not done with Naomi and Ruth. He has this plan. There's a harvest ahead. So Ruth begins with his family. They wander from God. They suffer for it. But there's a Redeemer. And in His mercy, He brings Naomi back to Israel. But she doesn't know it yet. She isn't even in faith for it yet. But she's going to experience the amazing grace of God. And this, this wonderful God has given this bitter woman a wonderful, loyal friend. This incredible daughter-in-law, Ruth, who commits herself. I'm, I'm with you, Naomi. I'm going to take care of you. I'll be with you to the end. God in His grace has saved Ruth. And so, just to kind of sum it all up, remember, our decisions have consequences. If you're going through a tough time, don't do what's right in your own eyes. Do what God says. Trust God. Obey God. Don't disobey God, even though it might make it temporarily more easy. If you've made bad decisions and you're reaping the consequences, there's hope for you. Don't interpret your afflictions as God being against you. There's a Redeemer who's committed to you and His grace can overcome even your bad decisions. So return to Him. Repent of your bad decisions. Come back to Jesus. He's waiting to help you and bless you. And let every one of us be challenged in a wonderful way, be provoked in a good way to imitate the commitment of Jesus that we see in Ruth. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Let Let's pursue that kind of love and loyalty to one another for God's glory. So let's have the band come up. Let's stand and let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we just have seen a lot this morning in this chapter And we first of all want to thank You that You are a faithful God who never gives up on Your people. We thank You that You're a God who has plans for our lives. We thank You that You have purposes for our lives that we don't even know about, Lord, and that You will fulfill. Lord, help us to always obey Your Word. Help us to... Be loyal to You, Lord God, and to Your people. Help us to give You praise even in hard circumstances, Lord, because You're a faithful Redeemer. In Jesus' name, Amen.